but we're delighted to talk about something that was near and dear to the heart and the mind of God. It's something that we desperately need, but it's often something that is missing from our lives, and it's this topic of wisdom. Wisdom. What happens in our lives is we run up against some sort of crisis, some sort of urgent situation, and when we check in with our soul, and oftentimes this will flesh out in our posture and the things that we would ask God for, we're constantly thinking about, I just, I just wish that we had the money that we needed to, to weather this storm. I, I just wish that my relationship status would go from single to engaged. I just wish I could have this job. If I just had this job, then my problems would be fixed and I could get beyond this thing that's right in front of me. And we kind of live in the tyranny of the urgent. What we really need is wisdom. Because what will happen is inevitably, as soon as we get past one of those obstacles, you ask God for the job, you get the job, and now you have another set of circumstances that you have to navigate. How do I balance my life and my, my, my work kind of balance, and, and, and how do I prioritize the right kinds of things? What we really need is wisdom. Oftentimes what we think we need is the results of wisdom, but what we need is wisdom, because wisdom superintends all of those things and help, helps us navigate things that we would have never seen, we wouldn't know how to process, we don't know how to get through it. So what is wisdom then? Wisdom is something that God's Word speaks about often. Wisdom, first we said, uh, on the very first week he said, wisdom isn't knowledge because you can have all of the book smarts and be street stupid. You ever known someone like that? They've got all the degrees, but you're like, man, you keep making a wreck out of your life. It's not just the acquisition of information, and wisdom is also not just morality, knowing the boundaries, knowing the rules. Wisdom is this. Wisdom is the skill of living. It's the ability to navigate life no matter what comes our way. It's knowing how the world really is and how the world really works, and then being able to apply that into a new, unforeseen situation in such a way that you can look at that and say, in light of my present circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, what's the best decision? What's the best action? What's the best attitude in this situation? The topic of wisdom was so important to God that He actually super, he superintended that there would be whole segments of Scripture that were written, and they're called wisdom literature. Things like Job and Ecclesiastes and Lamentations. The book of Proverbs is full of lots and lots of wisdom. And that's what we're studying in this series. It's seeking wisdom. It's seeking to be able to flourish in any and every situation that we might find ourselves up against. We're in the book of Proverbs and looking at how can we set our lives up so that we're full of wisdom and we can be foolproof, as it were. Just a quick reminder about the book of Proverbs. It's a type of literature. There's other books that are like that. Uh, Proverbs are often short sayings with long life experience behind them. They're short. They're pithy. We'd have all sorts of Proverbs in other kinds of cultures, other kinds of literature. Proverbs is written often in these little couplets. Um, it's written from Solomon's perspective. Solomon was the son of David, King Solomon. And he was one of the wisest people that ever lived. What happened was... Solomon, being the king, he had all of the resources, all of the money, all of the power, all of the influence. But he recognized, I have all of this in front of me, 
but I recognize that there are going to be unforeseen circumstances that I don't know how to navigate. And so God came to him and he says, you can have a blank check. You ask for whatever you want. It might be money. What do you want? You want power? And Solomon knew, I actually, I actually need to know how to navigate life better. Solomon asks God for wisdom. It so impressed God that God says, not only am I going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you the money and the influence and the power and the success as well. Solomon goes through his life and he starts learning these life lessons full of wisdom and have you ever found yourself at that place where you're like, I have learned the hard way how life works, how the world really is. I wish I could go back to my younger self and I wish I could download that to them. What a different decision I would have made if I could just go back into college and speak to my younger self. That's almost what Solomon is doing because he's writing these life lessons to his sons and he's saying, please pay attention to this. This is what I want to download to you. And this is what he says in the beginning. This is what we started studying in the week one. He says to his sons, he says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Now, lean in. Hear the sons. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Though it costs you everything you have, go after that. Don't go after success. Don't go after money. Don't go after popularity. Don't go after the relationships. If you go after wisdom, all of those things are going to come to you after that. But it also shows us this, that wisdom is not something that just passively comes to us. We actually have to actively pursue it. This week, as we continue the conversation about wisdom, we're going to talk about this in a slightly different way. I want to talk about what Proverbs actually tells us is the opposite of wisdom. Proverbs, through Solomon, is, is telling us this. That if you don't pursue, if you don't get wisdom, if you don't orient your heart to get the heart and the mind of God, to yield to that, to pursue the wisdom of, of God through heaven, if we don't do that, there's going to be a natural drift in our lives. There's going to be a natural drift in our hearts. And it's going to be to go to this other direction. It's what Solomon says is foolishness or folly. Foolishness or folly. In fact, if you're reading through the book of Proverbs and we put a challenge in front of everyone, the book of Proverbs is 31 chapters. There's 31 days in the month. We want to be reading into this ourselves. So just pick, what's today? Today's the 23rd. You'd read the 23rd Proverb, right? And work your way through that. If you're reading through the book of Proverbs, you'll notice that over and over again, we hear this topic of folly and foolishness come up. What we're going to do today is I want to do a survey of the book. We're going to kind of look across the book and see three categories of foolishness that are depicted in the Proverbs. And if we don't pursue heavenly wisdom, we might actually inadvertently head in this direction of foolishness. I kind of wish my kids were here. These are the, these are the kind of lessons that, uh, that you want your high schoolers and your junior highers to hear. We're going to look at these three categories. And what we're going to notice is that they start to increase in severity from the least foolish to the most foolish. Now, before we jump into this here, I, I want to say this, that it's a, kind of an important preface that Solomon is brutally honest. He does not mince any words. He does not pull any punches. And so there might be a possibility that as we receive these words from him, that we might get offended by that. The reason I point that out is because I want to challenge you that if you find yourself offended, 
keep engaging with the conversation because, like we said, this is not something that passively, wisdom doesn't passively come to you. You actually have to engage and chase after it. It's going to require hard work. And if you're willing to endure some hard words, maybe even some discomfort and offensiveness, it's well worth it for the reward that comes at the end of that, and that is wisdom. You get wisdom. So rather than kind of like squirm in your seat, engage with it. Now, the other preface to this conversation is this, that when we hear these hard conversations, we all have a tendency to think about somebody else. So as we hear about these levels of foolishness, you're going to think, oh, that sounds like my idiot brother-in-law. Oh my gosh, that sounds like my mom. My kid's just, you're going to have a temptation. So this is the rule today. This is a no-nudge Sunday. Okay, don't point at anybody that's not nice. Don't cast a glare at your teenage child. Don't do that. What we're going to do is we're recognizing that Scripture says it's like a mirror and it stands in front of us and it allows us to see ourselves as we truly are and we want to look in the mirror and be honest about what we see and then take action upon that so it's something that we want to be intentional, purposeful, and personal. We're going to do this overview, so we're going to jump all around the book of Proverbs. If you have one of the orange Bibles or have your own Bible, I want to ask you to open to Proverbs chapter 1. We're actually going to land there. Since we're going to bop so far around, a lot of the passages are going to be on the screen. But go ahead and put your finger or your phone or something in Proverbs 1 and be ready to go there at the end of our time here together. These are the three categories that Solomon in, in the book of Proverbs tells us about foolishness. The first one is this. The first one is the, the simple. The simple. And here's what the simple are. A simple, a simple person is a person who lacks wisdom because they simply don't have knowledge or experience. They lack wisdom, but the reason they lack wisdom is because they simply haven't gone through those phases in life yet. They're not stupid. They're not rebellious. They're not arrogant. They don't lack intelligence. They're not reckless. They just haven't they don't know what they don't know. There are some characteristics that Solomon would say. In Proverbs 7, 7, here's what we see. We see that they lack experience. He says, I saw among the simple, or maybe your Bibles might say the word naive. So think about what naive means. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He didn't have common sense. When Solomon says that, he's not saying, this kid's a dumb kid, I can't believe... You know, it's not what he's saying. He's saying this is a person that didn't know what they didn't know, and they didn't have experience yet. And in fact, is if you follow the rest of this story, what we see is a young man who's about to make an incredibly foolish decision that's going to change the rest of his life. And the Bible says that the reason that he's doing that is not because he's arrogant, not because he's disobedient, but simply because he's simple. And he doesn't know. He doesn't know any better. I want you to notice that one of the things that Proverbs often says is it associates simpleness with youthfulness. You'll see that throughout the Bible. Simplest, simpleness is associated with youthfulness. Now, if, if you're one of our younger folks here in college or otherwise, and you hear that and that feels offensive to you, it's not, it's not meant to be offensive. In fact, you could look at someone that's younger than you and see how they experience the world and say that they just don't understand how life really works. So it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. It's not meant to be offensive. And the Bible's actually going to tell us that all of us, all of us at any age, all of us can be simple 
about something in life. You simply don't have experience or knowledge about it because we wake up every day and we go through something new and we haven't experienced it before. Let me give you myself as an example here. When Jennifer and I first got married, when we were first parents, we were simple as parents. We didn't know what we didn't know. I mean, it's crazy. They don't make you get a permit to have a baby. You just have it and they send you home from the hospital and now you like have this carrier and you put it down on the ground like, well, now what are we supposed to do? But it's overwhelming. So what do you do? You acquire knowledge. You get wisdom. You say, Mom, how do I deal with this? Dad, what did you do? You start reading what to expect when you're expecting, what to expect when you have a baby, what to expect when you have a toddler. It goes all the way up. They just sold lots and lots of books for that whole series because you don't know what you don't know. And so everybody, every parent goes through that for the first time. Everybody does because we're just... We're simple. We all operated that way when we first had kids. Think about it. Like my first child, when his pacifier fell on the ground, I would, I would, I would wash it. You know, I would make sure it's dried. And it, here's your pacifier. By the time I got to the third kid, it fell on the ground. I'd knock it off on my jeans. And if I was feeling really generous, I'd clean it off with my own mouth before I stuck it right in his. Right? That's just how things work. You're simple. It's not a big deal. It's not negative. It just is what it is. Here's another time where I was very simple. When we were first married, we had one of our first Christmases together. We were going to spend time with my family on, Sunday, on Christmas morning. And so we were all given dishes that we needed to prepare for our Christmas celebration. We were assigned with making mashed potatoes. I can figure out how to make mashed potatoes. Thank you very much. Right, so what we thought is, I don't want to do all of this on Christmas morning. Let's start on Christmas Eve. So we took the potatoes and we cleaned them off and we chopped them in these beautiful little cubes and we said, let's boil these in the morning and make the mashed potatoes. We put them in a bowl. We put them in the fridge. And we woke up in the morning. You guys, some of you know what's going to happen here. We didn't, we didn't know. We opened up the bowl and we looked at these beautiful cubed potatoes and they were all the color of like snot concrete. They had oxidized. We didn't know that. So we're like trying to clean off every little cube. And it's like, this is not going to work. We have to be there in like an hour. What are we going to do? Right, let's make them up. So we made them up and it looked like, it looked like concrete. I mean, it was, it tasted fine. It looked horrible, like brown. No, it was so here's what we said. We said, here, we're just going to leverage it. We're going to be creative. We grabbed some green food coloring. And so we're going to make holiday potatoes. So we made them green. Oh my word, it looked even worse. They tasted fine. They tasted fine. Nobody ate them. We, we didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. We were simple. Some of you are new to your faith. You're not, you're not dumb. You just, you just don't know what you don't know yet. You don't know how to pray. You don't know how to, how to open God's word. And that's why it's so important to be a part of a life group where you can walk alongside other people that can help you grow through that. All of us, all of us are simple as something. Now, the antidote for simplicity, for being simple, is simply to acquire wisdom. To have the humility that says, I don't know. Mom, how do you deal with diaper rash? I don't know. To look up the article, to have the humility of heart, to receive information, to fill in the gaps with what you don't know. You pursue wisdom. One of my mentors told me this. He says, wisdom and understanding go hand in hand. If you want to have wisdom, gain understanding. Ask questions. Be teachable. Get counsel. But there's a point where someone that simple says, 
I, I don't want someone else to tell me how to do this. I got this on my own. And so they start to kind of harden their heart. They, I know what I'm doing, Dad. Leave me alone. And a simple person can start to close their head and close their heart, and the consequences of them being simple is actually going to get more and more severe. Proverbs 14, verse 5 says this, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. A simple person is going to believe whatever comes their way. I did not know that I had an uncle who was a Nigerian prince, and he wants to give me $5 million dollars. And all I have to do is send him 500. Right? The prudent person says, Dad, do we have an uncle who's a Nigerian prince? No, son, don't fall for that. Right? For a simple person, the antidote is getting wisdom. I'm going to go check it out. But here's what can happen. When you double down in your simplicity, in your simpleness, you double down and you have a heart of pride, you actually start to suffer for that. And you lose the $500. Proverbs 22, verse 3 says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and they pay the penalty. I can be simple as long as I have the humility and the openness of my heart and my mind, humble myself to pursue it. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just a learning curve. We all go through that somehow. But... If I allow pride to creep into my heart, if I ignore wisdom, and I decide I've got this on my own, the prudent see danger because someone taught them. But the fool, the, the simple, the simple, ignorance is bliss. They go deeper and deeper, and it starts out with simplicity. If they don't pay attention, if we don't interrupt the simpleness, the folly with wisdom, we start drifting deeper and deeper and our heart starts to close and our mind starts to close off and the Bible says that when we do that we actually start to drift further and further from God's wisdom and we become something that Solomon simply called the fool the fool a fool is someone who knows what's right who knows what's wise and chooses to ignore it that's what a fool is they know what God said. They know what the right answer is. Someone told them, but they choose to ignore it. It's someone who, who is defined by having a, a stiffness, a hardness of their heart. Proverbs 1.32 says this, The waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Complacency. I want you to think about that, that word for just a moment. They're going to drift into disaster. Someone told them, they know that it's there, but because they're complacent, they would just say, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I don't care that it's there. And it's going to, to kill them. Dude, listen, I, like we, you can't eat a Big Mac every single day of your life. That's going to destroy you. You're going to have a stroke. Well, if I'm going to die, at least I'm going to die happy. Man, you're a fool. If you don't stop drinking a two liter of, of, of soft drink every lunch, it's going to kill you. What's the point in living if I can't have a two liter every single day? You're a fool for living like that. If you don't get your temper under control, you blow up at your siblings, you blow up at your spouse, you blow up, they're going to build a wall and they're going to step further and further away from you. And you're going to lose your marriage. Well, that's just the way that I am. I'm a passionate kind of person. Who are you to tell me what to do? 
You're a fool. You're a fool. Girl, if you don't stop flirting at work, if you don't stop emasculating your husband, you're going to push him away and he's going to find other options. It's just my personality. I can't help that I'm beautiful. It's just who I am. No, you're a fool. Quit talking to me about it. You've said enough. A fool knows what's wise, but they choose to ignore it. It's not an intellectual problem. That's what the simple is. The simple simply did not know. This is someone who knows, but they say, I don't care. You're going to go down that path even though it left you in the ditch before? Yeah, I don't care. You're going to keep flirting that way? I don't care. You're going to keep eating that way, gambling that way? I don't care. It's an outlook on life that says, I want to live this way. Proverbs 10, verse 23, a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. A fool actually likes to be sneaky. They like to get away with it. They like to beat the system. This isn't someone who's been duped into a wicked scheme. This is someone who actually finds pleasure in it. They like to live on the edge. They like to run their own life. They find value in it. Here's what happens to the life of a fool. At some point, they're going to hit a crisis point, and either they wake up, either they realize, hey, this is ruining my life, either they say, what am I, going, what am I doing here, or they choose to double down on their own pride. works like this, Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. What a great verse. Every junior hire should memorize that verse. I've grown up with dogs. Have you ever seen that happening? It is disturbing. Right? The dog starts puking and hacking, and you're like, get him outside, get him outside. And they go outside, and they're like, blah, you know. And they're like, this is delicious. <laughs> a cat, a cat will just bring you whatever thing they just murdered as a gift for you. A dog returns to its vomit, and it's disgusting. But it's this picture that Solomon's using to say, it's just as gross when you're a fool that goes back to the same foolish thing over and over again. Here's what's going to happen when you do that. The people around you, when you're going back to that same relationship that's outside of your marriage and you're just having an unhealthy connection to them and you keep going back to it, someone's going to respond to you after a while and say, that's that's, that's like a dog going back to its vomit. You keep going back to something that's destructive for you. This isn't going to build you up. This is going to take what you love away from you. This is gross. And someone's going to start to back away from you because you're as gross to them as a person, as a dog that's going back to their vomit. And you can either come to the place where you say, I'm going to come to my senses like that younger son in the parable of the prodigal son. He came to his senses and he went back to the father or you're going to double down and keep heading in that direction. Dude, you were told. You were told that if you came to work and hung over one more time that you were going to lose your job. And now you're calling me, oh, I just got a party, man. Will you clock me in? I'm not going to risk my job because you keep running back to your vomit. What happens is people start to back away from you. You either wake up or you double down. Solomon, Solomon says this. A fool, fool will look and say, I just don't care. 
I don't care. Who are you to tell me what to do? My decisions are my decisions. I'm going to live my best life now. And even as I say this to some people, they're thinking about something in their life that they know what the right thing is to do, and yet they would say, I don't care. Solomon says there's actually a characteristic about the fool. And that is that their decisions impacts and hurts other people and not just themselves. And some of you have wounds not because of a decision you made, but because of the decision that your child or your mom or your dad or your spouse or your sibling made. And it didn't just impact them. And you think, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. But it's going to impact the people that you love the most. This is what Proverbs 13 verse 20 says. Walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers, what's the word? A companion of fools suffers harm. A fool, this is what a fool does. A fool says, my life is disconnected. My decisions are my own. Who are you to tell me how much I should drink or what I should eat or who I should hang out with? And this, I'm going to live my best life now and my life is disconnected. How I operate at work does not impact how I operate at home. My finances don't impact how my spirituality is. My spirituality doesn't impact my marriage. I'm going to treat my life as if it's disintegrated, and they don't understand that things are actually connected. And all of a sudden, you find out this thing that's blown up, and your life is blown up, and your marriage has blown up, and your job is blown up, and now this relational shrapnel has embedded itself into the people that you love the most. Because life is not disintegrated. It's integrated. And I say this to my children. I say the quicker you can understand that you are not independent, but you are interdependent on one another, on your siblings, on your friends, on your church community, on your parents. The sooner you know that, the better off you will be in life because there's something in the heart of, 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 of simplicity and foolishness and youthfulness that says, I'm going to have my independent life because what I do doesn't impact anyone else. And yet so many of us have wounds from someone else's horrible decisions because the companion of fools suffers harm. Which as an aside, this is why young people this is why your parents care who you hang out with. Because you can be the wisest person in your environment, but if you're around a fool, you will suffer for it. We regularly watch cops, and one of the things that we've learned when you watch cops is you can be a straight-A student, you've never done anything wrong, but if you're driving that car and one of the people in your car has drugs in their backpack, you will go to jail for it. A companion of fools suffer harm. The simple, the simple, they don't know what they don't know. It's just a matter of getting more information. All of us are simple. You interrupt simplicity with wisdom. A fool knows what's wise, but they don't yield to it. They ignore it. And if they don't have like an aha moment, if they don't turn their heart around, this is what Solomon says happens after you go down this progression that you end up becoming what he calls a mocker. A mocker. Here's what a mocker is. They know about wisdom, but they criticize wisdom as if it's foolishness. That's what a 
That's what a mocker is. Proverbs 21, 24. The proud and arrogant person. Mocker is his name. They behave with insolent fury. The simple, they don't know. The fool, they don't care. But the mocker, pride has taken over in their heart and they have an insolent fury. That's a great phrase. And they get angry. They get angry when they get confronted with wisdom. Proverbs 9, 7 through 8. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers and they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. It's insolent fury when a mocker is confronted. Who are you to tell me how to live my life? Your life of wisdom is a hateful life. What? <laughs> yeah, you hate people. What, what, why do I hate people? Because you're married and you have a job and you're living life independently. So, so I hate you because of that? Yeah, you're cramming your truth down my throat. Listen, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. See, you have phobic behavior. Why? Because you don't celebrate my foolishness. That's because your foolishness is foolishness. See, that's hate speech. It's insolent fury. I hate you because you live a life of wisdom, and your life of wisdom offends me. That's a mocker. That's a, mark, a mocker. It's hard-hearted. And just as an aside, when we engage a mocker, I mean, what, what does Solomon say? He says, when you engage someone like that, if you, if you try to correct a mocker, what are you inviting? You're inviting insults. Several times throughout Proverbs, he's, he says, if you're dealing with a fool, fool, it's only going to end up poorly. Stay away from them, right? It's only going to end up poorly. It's insolent fury. They're hard-hearted. They're full of pride. They get this aggressive pushback. Your wisdom offends my foolishness. Don't oppress me with your truth. You either affirm me and celebrate me or you hate me. And I don't even want to hear what your wisdom is, so they avoid it. I want to live my life. And Solomon is sitting down with his boys and he's saying, listen, listen, if you start heading down the pathway of being a mocker, if you have that pride and you have a hard head, a hard heart, you're in a dark, dark place. And if you don't pursue wisdom, if you're not asking God to guide and direct your heart, you're going to drift. And it's going to start with, I don't know. And you're going to go to, I don't care. And then you're going to have insolent fury. And I'm angry with you because you don't accept what I'm about. But let me tell you that at every level, each one of these can be interrupted by simply yielding your heart to wisdom. The correction to the simple. Seek information. Seek understanding. The correction to the fool. Seek wisdom. And Solomon is saying, don't go down that road. Because if you make it to this point where you're a mocker, you're going to resent wisdom. And your ears will be closed and you won't even hear it. And here's what's particularly dangerous about that. That when you have a hard heart, the book of James tells us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And if you're not careful, you'll set yourself up to be like Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel who stood on the top of his 
palace and said, look at all that I've accomplished. And he mocked the living God. And God struck him down and made him dumb like a cow in the pasture. And people went past him and they pointed a finger and they laughed at this man who was the emperor of the known world who is now eating grass. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And every once in a while, every once in a while, you're going to run into somebody that was a mocker and they turned their lives around, but here's what it took. It took absolute ruin, hitting rock bottom, their life getting as bad as it could get before they had that aha moment. And the further and further you get down into this, the harder it is to pull out. Go back to Proverbs 1. This is where we said we were going to land. So open up Proverbs 1, verse 20. It says, out in the, os- uh, in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She, so as Solomon wrote, liken wisdom to a, a, a woman. Just a, it's wisdom. It's elegant. It's refined. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Interrupt your foolishness with wisdom, he says. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you and I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all of my advice and you don't accept my rebuke, I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not be found in me. Solomon says, life is going to come knocking on your door And if you make a habit of ignoring wisdom, you're going to end up in a ditch and you're not going to know how to get out of it. I've lost my job and my house is on the line. How do I get out of this mess now? I came home and she was gone and everything was cleaned out. How do I save my marriage? You should have addressed that five years ago. She's gone. And I'm not saying that that God can't do it, but it's going to be one of those situations where only God can fix that kind of thing. Solomon would look at his boys and he would say, listen, you, you can experience wisdom through its blessings or you can experience wisdom through its calamities. Experience it through its blessings. Yield to it early so that you don't have to hit rock bottom because it will be proven right one way or another. Verse 29. Since they hated knowledge, they did not choose the fear of the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat of the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But, 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 here's the interruption. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Wisdom will call to you, but you've got to listen. She told you. She told you you were losing her. He told you that he was in a bad place. But you got defensive. You got resentful. 
Mom and dad told you, you've got to get ready for college. You've got to save up your money. You got defensive. You thought you knew better. The doctor said, hey, if you don't pay attention to this, you're not going to be around for your grandkids. But you didn't care. And now your life is blown up, and your heart is blown up, and your marriage is blown up, blown up. The wisdom saw it coming. You chose to be simple, and you chose to say, I don't care. I don't care. And then you ch chose to become a mocker that said, you're a fool for your wisdom. And you're an arrogant jerk. Now what the scriptures tells us is the antidote for all of this, the antidote for all of this is to repent. It's to repent. Now that's a big biblical word. It's to accept the rebuke. It, it, it simply means that I'm going to turn from going in this direction and I'm going to go in that direction. Now, the amazing thing about God is that while we are constantly walking away from Him, He's constantly walking towards us. So when we turn, He's right there. And He says He will engage with us and He will give us wisdom. Turn to Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. This is a passage you can build your life on. I've had old-timey preachers say, you could, this could be the, the, the passage that you spend your whole life trying to digest. And it says this, memorize it and put it into your heart. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your strength and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. When life feels like it's chaotic, when you don't know what to do, when you have a hard decision in front of you, when people are walking away from you, when the finances aren't there, when you seek after God, He will make the chaos clear. He will show you the pathway that is straight. He will make that when you pursue after Him. When you would say, God, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want that true in my heart. When you say, I'm not going to fear according to Matthew 6, but I'm going I'm to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and, and all of this is going to be added unto me. I'm going to choose to trust You and not trust myself. I'm going to choose to trust Your Word and what You've revealed to me about what marriage should be, about what my finances should be, and I'm not going to say, yeah, but my wisdom says this. I'm going to open my heart and I'm going to pursue after that because the alternate is I'm going to pursue my way and that's the path of foolishness. When I submit to God, He says, I'm going to make your path straight. It's going to feel chaotic. You're not going to know what to do. You submit to me. I'll make it clear. I'll make it clear. And when we repent, here's what God does. Listen, this is what you need to hear, that God always responds to the broken and the contrite heart. He will always do that. Nebuchadnezzar, at the pit, raised his eyes to heaven, praised God's name, and God restored him. He will always respond to the person that calls upon him and who repents with brokenness. But you have to decide that I'm going to interrupt my simplicity. I'm going to have the humility that says, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with asbestos. I've never done it before, newsflash. I don't know how to deal with a, a sibling that's got an addiction. I've never had to deal with this before. I, I, I don't know how to manage my finances because my parents were a hot mess. And so I don't know. I need help. You can interrupt it at every point. And you interrupt the foolishness with a heart that says, God, I'm going to do what you, I'm not going to look at something I know that's wrong and do it anyway. Guys, I, I said that this was a hard passage. It's a hard passage. 
And God's not standing there, and he's not shaking his hand and finger and saying, you dummies, here's a lightning bolt for you. Kaboom. That's not what he's saying. He's waving his hands. He's saying wisdom will be proven right in its blessings or it will be proven right in its calamities. And the sooner, the sooner you interrupt foolishness with wisdom, the better off it will be for you. And I will guide you and I will make it clear. Don't go deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole because the deeper you get, the harder it is to pull out and it's going to take rock bottom. Turn to me and I will turn to you. I will make your path straight. God's word is this mirror. This is a no-nudge Sunday. This isn't about someone else. This is about us. And so we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. The first is this. Where, where am I being simple? Where am I pretending that I know, but I don't? And I actually need to have the humility. God, show me, show me where this isn't working, God. I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to say, God, show me, where, show me where I'm being foolish because all of us, including me, have a time where we know what's right, but I'm not going to submit to it. Where we would say, you know, God, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to participate with this. I'm not going to submit to my husband because I am strong, independent woman. Hear me roar. I'm not, I'm not going to lead my home as a spiritual covering and authority because that's my wife's job. I'm not going to pay attention to my health. I, I, I know what God's word says about morality, but I'm going to live my best life. Eventually, I'll be monogamous. I know what God's word says about my finances and, and, and honoring him with my first fruits, but, but I'm going to run my best life first. I'm going to do that. These are all places in our life where we would be fools. And we need to say, God, would you illustrate that? Would you show me that? And let me have the humility in my heart to respond to that. And then here's the hardest one. God, where am I a mocker? And if some of you are mockers in this room right now, you're actually disagreeing with much of what I'm saying here this morning. Because your heart is already hard. You can avoid the pain of that by you humbling yourself or God will break you. God, is there a place where I'm just saying this is dumb? This is stupid. I know you said this and my mom said this. This is ridiculous. God, humble my heart. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment to pray. We're going to have some time of worship. We purposefully are saving some time at the end. But we want to ask God, if you're a follower of Christ, you would say, God, let this stuff be true. Help me see where I'm simple, a fool or a mocker. Interrupt that with your wisdom. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you would simply say, God, would you convict me of my sin and help me turn from my path and towards you? And he will honor that. Let's, let's pray together. Let's pray together, and then we're going to spend some time in worship here. God, would you help us? God, would you show us kind of ourselves? God, would you grant us just that self-awareness? That's one of the hardest skills in life to be self-aware. Show us where maybe, um, you know, we're simple and we don't know it. <laughs> we need to confess that. We need to walk in that. Or maybe we're a fool and we've been ignoring it. God, would you illuminate that? And would you have mercy on those, myself too, those places where I'm a mocker? Would your kindness lead us to repentance? These are hard words, God, but we receive it from you because we know that you love us and that you're a father that runs to us. God, would all that we do just like please you?
would you look at our lives and be magnified and be made higher, greater in us and through us, God. Christ be magnified. Let us be people that pursue your wisdom that humble ourselves. Yeah, we praise you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Make this our heart song. We're creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south. 